Welcome to the CCM Deep Dive Podcast as we go song by song and story by story through some of Christian music's most influential albums with the artists who created them. It's time to grab your coffee and settle in. Let's go. Well, the idea originally sprang, we were in my apartment. Welcome to Freedom, the 1989 album by Whiteheart. That was Mark Gershmel, keyboardist and one of the principal songwriters on the album. Today we are breaking down the album's opening track, Bye Bye Babylon. So let's start, as Rick sang, by walking back through history. Babylon was built along both banks of the Euphrates River and was the capital city of the ancient Babylonian Empire. At two different points in human history, Babylon was considered the largest city in the world, but was most powerful during the 400 years that the Israelites were in exile. The prophet Isaiah wrote that Babylon would be like Sodom and Gomorrah when God overthrew them and that it would never be inhabited for all generations. And the prophet Jeremiah also said that Babylon would fall and would never be inhabited again. Keyboardist Mark Gershmel. I have a Thompson Chain reference Bible (laughs) that has a concordance in the back. And it's got a black and white photo of a very devastated Babylon. And I just showed it to these guys and, and said, uh, what, do you th- what do you think about this? The site of the historical location of Babylon lies just south of present-day Baghdad in Iraq. And the last recorded inhabitants was approximately 1000 AD, when it was referred to as the small village of Babel. But this song isn't about Babylon, really. I mean... 2088, what are they going to be looking at when, when they see what we have done? So it became a reflective thing. It's like, you know, and, and that, my gosh, the things we are now doing right now are going to be chronicled. They're going to influence history. People are going to be looking at what we did. And are we, you know, and we're responsible for this moment in time. Are they going to be seeing crumbling ruins? Or are they going to be seeing, uh, you know, people who were dedicated to the living God and lived like that? And so, it was a, a rather visual representation. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of this song a bit. Here is lead guitarist Gordon Kennedy. Well, uh, you know, you could probably interview Mark about the song to song thing because his memory is so great about things like that. And he could tell you every town we played in and what the venue looked like and where we parked the bus. You know, <laughs> he's just great about stuff like that. The things I remember about... um the record would be the gear I used, you know, which guitars, which amplifiers. And, you know, I do remember, I think early on, my earliest contribution to Bye Bye Babylon was the actual riff itself. Oh, gosh, yes. And then you, you're carrying around something like that, wondering what to do with it. And then Mark brings along what he just described. And you go, let's get those two things married. And and that's how you go in and begin um working on a song like that. But that's that's really the only thing I remember about that process. 
Gordon is a riff machine. <laughs> One of the things that makes White Hart unique as a band is that while they have a designated lead singer, they actually have four guys who are capable of carrying a song. Um, sometimes I think it's more of an afterthought that me or Tommy might have wound up singing some vocal parts on the record where I don't even think I would call them lead vocals. I think the only one I where I was the only vocal was the end of Over Me. And then Tommy, um, you know, sings the verses in Invitation. That was, it was written with him singing that. And so when the song was presented, it just said, we need to, that needs to happen. So I think a lot of it can be just in the writing stage. You discover along the way during the writing and on into the rehearsing of that song, playing it for everybody. And, and, um, but sometimes you're writing a song knowing that Rick's going to sing it and he hasn't even heard it yet, but you're just, you're thinking that in your head. So it helps to have his, you know, voice up there on file as it were. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I'm sure Gordon, you know, when, when I'm writing something, I can hear, I'll hear, I mean, even I actually hear, I still hear Gordon Kennedy in my head when I'm writing something because that sound, that stamp, that ability is still, you know, I choose that, but, but, but he, and I'm sure he's thinking 335, you know, you know, he's, he's thinking already ahead. Voices get to be like that as well. And the color of Gordon's voice, nobody else should sing Montana Sky than Gordon Kennedy. It was, it was his song, you know. Things we just don't understand. But there's a peace for what we cannot comprehend. Oh, we can climb higher than the pain to find some comfort when the answer is unplayed. We don't know. Tommy on the verse on, you know, Tommy's just got that thing, but yeah, but, 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 but Rick, uh, interestingly enough, as a sidebar, Rick has an, where he may not have written so many, much of the lyrics, he has an unerring sense of, and this, I always say, you don't put, nobody wants to put, you would never put bad food in your mouth, food that you didn't like the taste of. Nobody should put a song in their mouth that doesn't taste good to them. And Rick has an unerring sense of what feels good in his mouth as a song and down to the syllables, down to the opening vowels at the end, down to the click of the consonants, all of that. He's got an unerring sense of that. And it's, that's just another gift. It may not necessarily be a writing gift, but it's a singer's gift. I think there are times too, when I even think of you describing that reminded me because of my lack of previous experience, my main experience was what, 99.999% of the population that listens to music was. That is, I'm sitting in my car listening to songs and 
I always gravitated toward trying to sound like the guy singing, and sometimes girl, singing on the song for whatever reason. I just wanted to try to sound like them because I, you know, that was the sound for that song that I liked, whether it was an Eagles song, you know, or a Fleetwood Mac thing or something um, when I first even started listening to music. So because one of the harder things for me to kind of feel comfy with was the ad lib stuff. Like when you're doing some scat stuff at the end on or um, just some things that, you know, hey, Rick, do your own thing, you know, and sometimes that would happen naturally. And sometimes, frankly, it was a little bit, you know, you know, forced because a lot of times when we're even when they're fledgling in each other's apartments or whatever, writing songs, I would be there sometimes and I'm listening and trying to make it mine at times when sometimes these songs, like they said, it was written before I was even there. And then that, that helps me actually brings me along when I'm hearing what they were hearing when they were creating it and then still try to make it something that was going to be mine, you know. Thank you for listening as we spend the next few months breaking down the songs from Whiteheart's 1989 album, Freedom. Join us next week as we dive into Sing Your Freedom. I think it was probably during the writing and then on into the rehearsal at some point, you're already hearing Rick singing this. Mm-hmm.
Time 